Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, my website, journeyofpossibilities.com, and now we're uploading to our YouTube channel, YouTube slash Cheryl Sitz. I am your host, Cheryl Sitz, and right here each week we have what I think are some of the most interesting and inspiring conversations on the planet. It's our mission to explore holistic, spiritual ways that we can transform life from the inside out. If you like what you hear, why not help us pay the bills and keep bringing you these shows with your contribution at journeyofpossibilities.com slash donate. Now this show and all of our amazing shows and the website are thanks to our tech shaman, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance. Mario, tell listeners what you can do for us this week. Well, thanks, Cheryl. One of the things that I can help with, when you have a website, you know what you want. You want where that graphic is or you know what text you want to update. That's one of the parts that I can help you with. How many times has a web developer given you a high bill for something that you think is pretty easy? I have various type of programs, and I am very flexible in working with how to create a program that works for you. For example, I can do the work for you. That's one. But really, I love empowering you as the user because I know you know what you like. I can show you how to do that modification on that website and... We can have even a hybrid program where I can show you or some of them you give them to me and we have a monthly fee on those. So there's a lot of different ways. Yes, I can do the hourly. I can do the monthly package where I do everything for you. But don't you want to be the one in control of your website? Those are the kind of things I can provide you, solutions that empower you. Find out more about them on MarioRosales.net or TechLifeBalance.net. Who are you? Why? Are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. Today's guest is Daniel Schmidt. He worked in the television industry and founded one of the first online music publishing companies in North America before discovering meditation during a health crisis. His first Samadhi Awakening experience was at a Vipassana retreat, and it changed his life and inspired him to create documentary films and the Samadhi Meditation Center, which is near Bancroft, Ontario, in Canada. His award-winning film series, Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds, and his ongoing Samadhi films reflect his inner journey. All are part of his initiative to awaken the world, bringing ancient wisdom back to life. His partner, Tanya Mahar, co-creates the films and helps to run the center, and Daniel makes all his films and meditations available free to benefit humanity. He's working on his next film, The Pathless Path. It's under production. You can find out more about him at samadhi.ca online. And of course, here, welcome, Daniel. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Your films are amazing. I love them. The, all the content that you have created is is so much for us to talk about today. Can you tell us a little bit about the health challenges that you were going through that led you to that Vipassana retreat years ago? Sure. So um, the way I feel about it is that my my entire way of being at that time in my life was really out of sorts. So um, really my, my inner state in my body was just a reflection of, of what I was doing in my life at that time. So I was working in the television industry. Um, I had no real connection with my body. I, I wasn't paying attention to diet. I didn't really know how to feed myself or anything. Um, and, and I believe my, my spirit or essence was trying to guide me through these not so subtle hints to, to shift out of what I was doing. And, and I wasn't listening. Um, so the, the hints became stronger and stronger until they became like a hammer and I, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And, um, so my body, um, I, I developed all kinds of autoimmune issues and type one diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, and, and, um, just a lot of, um, problems uh, assimilating food basically and um, and it, it was really just um, you know a wake-up call for me and it was actually an incredible gift because at that time in my life I don't think there was anything else that would have shifted me out of my my reality at that time isn't it interesting how we just get busier and busier and distract ourselves when things become uncomfortable if we don't understand that key point you just said that the body is talking to us to get our attention? Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and we don't know, you know, growing up in North America, most people don't know what is even possible, you know? Like when I went to the the first Vipassana retreat, I, I really just wanted to shut off my mind. I just wanted the off button for, for this crazy monkey that was just going insane in my head. And um, I didn't know anything else about it. One, one of my friends came back from, from his own Vipassana retreat and uh, he had this, this glow about him. He just seemed really alive. And, um, and, and he said, you know, maybe this will benefit you. Like maybe you can, you know, I, I had an incredible insomnia at that time and I was desperate. I just thought, okay, well, it looks like, you know, it benefited my friend. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll find some relief or some benefit. So I didn't know really what was possible. You know, there are all these incredible side benefits to, um, to Vipassana, but, um, you know, samadhi and awakening, that, that whole path wasn't even on my radar. I'd never really heard about it, actually, at that point. I grew up, grew up as a Catholic, so, you know, it's not part of my, my upbringing at all. Right. Yes, I relate to that. And many people that we've had on the show have had Christian upbringings and then had something shift to where everything opened wide up and we could see that there was so much more going on than just what one religion could even speak to. So mm -hmm. was it one Vipassana retreat and you had some of the amazing insights you depict in your films or was it from that point forward life changed and you started to have all of this awakening? So I, I did many Vipassana retreats, but the, the first one, um, it was kind of unique because I went in without knowing anything about it. So 
um, you know, in Zen, they, they talk about beginner's mind. And I really did have a beginner's mind. I was, I was a total beginner. And, um, and I, but I, I was taking it very seriously. I listened to the teachings that were presented and I, I just worked really diligently. I just did exactly what the, the teacher said without any kind of resistance to it. So, so I had the awakening at my, my very first retreat and, um, it changed my life completely. It just, you know, it was like an, you know, a completely different reality presented itself. And, um, from there I, I began to get extremely curious about meditation. And of course my mind got involved and, you know, the next retreat I went to, I, I wanted to replicate what had happened at the first one and it didn't happen, mm -hmm. of course, because the mind can't make it happen. Um, so, um, so over time, I realized, you know, I, I did a lot of Vipassana retreats, some at the, the SN Goenka centers, but sometimes just on my own, I would actually structure my own um, retreats. And, um, and I found that sometimes I would experience samadhi and sometimes I wouldn't. And it, for a long time, it seemed kind of random. And, um, and I wanted to really understand what, what this was. And and whether there was some mechanism, some way of of um, of realizing it, and 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 what it meant, and what it, you know, and you know, and more importantly, how how life can be um, changed by it, and, and how we can we can bring it, bring the realization into everyday life in a way that doesn't just come and go. It's not just something on a cushion, but it's something that fundamentally changes our lives. Exactly. That's the same thing that we see in any practice. And with the shamanic path and the other pathways, we go and we have these profound experiences. And then, oh, now I get to go back to my daily life. And how do I do that? And how do I hold on to what I've experienced? And, and what you mentioned, the expectation that I want more of that, that attachment, that craving that Goenka speaks about in Vipassana, we, we, we crave it because that was wonderful. I want it back. And, and learning to let go and let it be whatever it is and to be with what is, that to me is the most profound thing about this pathless path, as you call it. Yes. And, um, yeah, one of my teachers says that, um, you know, these, these states are, are constantly changing. Like we have, you know, just like we have waking, dreaming and deep sleep, we can experience these samadhi states as well. And, um, you know, the states are impermanent. They, they come and go. Um, but there is, um, you know, there, there is a fundamental beingness that, underlies all of the states which uh, which in vedanta they call turiya which is is the presence of the the imminent self the the, the true i be beyond name and form and and that um, really is the fruit of the path that that is really what what doesn't come and go is is that um, that imminent self which can be experienced continuously through all of these changing states so like in, in Zen, they say the samadhi that, that um, comes and goes is not the true samadhi. And um, it took me a long time to even, even touch that, that truth within myself because my, my, you know, for, for a decade, my, my samadhi was coming and going and I was, I was pursuing it. I was seeking it. And because there was a seeker, um, I was I was in this this game of hide and seek basically yes. because I didn't recognize 
um, you know, what was beyond the seeker and, you know, and the subject object duality that, you know, created that, that game, basically. And I love how you talk about this in your films, you really do a great job of using visual expression as well as language to, to express some of these very deep truths that we really, the mind wants to wrap around it, but the mind somehow can't. And so you create more of an experience, much like, which is why I think we've been uh, really enjoy, have enjoyed the plant medicine path that we have been down. It's experiential learning. Your films do that. It's an experience that you create in which we can really begin to understand some concepts that are beyond language. Yeah, exactly. Um, to me, um, I, I would say the the sort of um, structure or, you know, the language structure that I really like it actually um, comes from the Upanishads where they, they talk about these different levels of self. And, um, you know, in, in our reality on this planet, we're living just on two levels, mostly the, the mental and physical. Yes. But there are these these other higher levels. And, um, and through pl- plant medicine, which I've explored a little bit myself, um, you know, we can we can break into the energetic level, um, and what what I call um, like in, they call it the Vinyanamaya Kosha in the Upanishads, um, which I see as the higher sort of template levels of self, and um, you know these the archetypal level um, and the you know some of the um, you know you could say the angelic realms and and uh, um, where there are these these beings and and intelligences as well. And then as we, as we um, go into samadhi, as we approach samadhi, then we go into what, um, what the ancient teachings called Anandamaya Kosha, which is the um, sort of the emptiness bliss, you know, but it's not, it's not bliss in the sense of feeling good. It's a sort of transcendence of, of duality. So it's a, it's a freeing from, from pain and pleasure and, and self-identification, essentially. Yes. Okay, you speak very scholarly about this. You speak beyond a man who's been experiencing this and brought it into a way of life for himself. You speak about this intellectually as well. Have you studied formally? Has this become something your mind feeds on as well as your meditative state? Or, Well, you know, I, I like for a long period in my path, I threw out books you know, I realized this has to be an experience within myself, and um, you know, and and all of the all of the great teachings are just pointing to the same thing. Basically, look within, stop looking to these external things. So, f- for a lot, a long part of my journey, I felt um, I needed to do that. I, you know, I knew everything was within, and um, I needed, I knew what what work I I had to do. Um, but something new um, with these films has has opened up for me. I feel like my, like you could say, my higher self has has guided me back into um, into studying these different traditions. And what I feel like it's my my vocation or my my purpose is to gather these these um, perspectives. And each perspective is is like a lens to look through to observe the same truth but each one has its own kind of uniqueness and its own beauty and i think there's there's an incredible power to um 
you know, first seeing the perennial teaching through these different lenses, but being able to interchange these lenses and realizing that, you know, these ancient traditions are, are all fundamentally saying the same thing. So, um, so I, there is something um, alive in me that is very interested in, in gathering all this stuff up. And, um, and I think there are real gems within these traditions you know certain traditions just have have focused very specifically on certain facets of the path of awakening and so they'll have more detail than than other traditions so i i find it very powerful to utilize whatever whatever is out there and and find you know by collecting all of these things together um i can kind of flesh out a more um comprehensive way of of using my words to help people point to what is ultimately beyond the words. Exactly. So for anyone who hasn't seen your films, and one of my intentions in in this interview that I'm so glad you took the time to do with us is that it will guide more people to discover your films and share your films because they're really incredible. How did you even approach this subject and go, okay, I've, I've, I've seen the all that is and the nothing that is and everything in between. And now I'm going to try and create films that point to that for people. How did you even think about where to start or <laughs> how did that process yeah. unfold? Yeah, well, it, it started out, um, like I started, um, doing, um, meditation classes, you know, just little weekly meditation classes. And I started to, realized that there were some some great metaphors and you know I'm really into fractals and and all these different things so it it actually started out just as a little powerpoint presentation to try and convey to people you know in a in a tangible way what this is all about and um so it started out really small and then the the powerpoint presentation just started growing and um and I realized you know, my my past with television and, um, you know, really everything I did in my life, I went to, to school for philosophy as well. Um, you know, it, it's almost like my life was crafted in a way to be able to deliver a film for, on, on this stuff. So, um, you know, in, in retrospect now, I, I feel like there was an incredible poetry being written in my life, but I didn't realize it at the time. I had no idea of what I would be doing in the future, but somehow I acquired all these these different little pieces that I needed to to be able to put it all together. So um so I've I've never, you know, definitely never had any master plan or vision of of doing anything or awakening the world. It just sort of, you know, grew out of my own um practice and 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 just this feeling of wanting to share it with people around me but and and it just kind of grew organically that is such a beautiful feeling isn't it when we realize oh my goodness my life has perfectly prepared me for what i've now discovered is my mission and purpose for being here <laughs> it's it's really fascinating actually because you know there's a part of us that is aware of of what we need you know it's it, it's aware like there it's such a beautiful poetry that is being written in our lives and and yet we don't see it for the most part you know the little me is is just um you know kind of in awe of it and um occasionally you know we'll get we'll get glimpses but it's all it's usually in retrospect that we we see it so yeah, it's it's quite mysterious 
Yes. And you pointed to some of the the more positive highlights of, of how you were professionally trained for what you're doing now as well. But that also applies to, to real life, to the stuff that happens that isn't so pleasant. And at least for me and for some of the people that I've had on the show, it's like, wow, that's why I went through that, what seemed like a horrific thing. Now look at how I can help others moving through that because of what I learned moving through that. So it's it's beautiful how it all fits together. It is. And, and, um, yeah, my, my teacher that I work with now, Nico, he, he always says there are, there are two paths in life. Um, there's the path of suffering, you know, where, um, we just, we just kind of go along in life and, and get hammered, you know, (laughs) and we, we, we learn through that suffering. And, and, you know, if, if we're open to learning, we we learn from it. Um, and we, we accept it as a teaching. Um, and then there's the, the path of, of gnosis or, or, um, wisdom, um, where we can start to learn the mechanism of how we suffer in the first place and, and how we, you know, become identified with, with what is, um, you know, happening in our life and, and our, our, um, you know, how our ego construct is is created in the first place so you know the the first way is is the most painful way um but uh you know if we can start to understand the inner workings of it um then we can you know we can accept it a lot more easily and and um also avoid a lot of the unnecessary suffering um because you know unless the suffering is conscious it's not really beneficial so um if we can start to bring consciousness to those un- unconscious parts of ourself we can we can um accelerate the path accelerate our our growth and development wise words indeed so i'm curious the center obviously you have meditation retreats there does it expand on what you do in the films do you intertwine the two together are they kind of two separate paths by which you expand consciousness or how does that work yeah, so the the center, um, you know, like one of the things I, I try to get people to do at the end of the film, uh, at the end of every film, is to do the guided meditations that we've made available for people. So those are available online at samadhi.ca. And uh, the retreats are just a way to uh, go deeper into a meditation practice and to really understand what meditation is, um, I'm not doing meditation the way it's it's normally done. Um, there's a lot of different teachings out there about meditation, but um, the way I understand meditation within myself, it's not about a, te- a technique, even though we we use techniques as stepping stones. But ultimately, the meditation is bringing everyone to a place of their their own stillness so we want to be moving to less and less doing in the mind um, and so the the meditation ultimately is is non-doing it's coming to a place of no mind literally no mind activity and um, you know the the techniques can be useful like in Vedanta they, they say it's like a, a thorn to remove a thorn so we can we can replace our our crazy mind activity with subtler and subtler and subtler activity until finally we'll let go of any technique at all and and come into this this mystery which is beyond thinking it's pure presence unmediated by a thinker unmediated by a me or a self 
Do you get told often, I just can't do it. I can't meditate. I don't know how you do that. That sounds great. I've never been able to get there. I just can't do it. Do you have that kind of feedback? Yeah. And, and I always tell people, you know, the, the more crazy your mind is, the, the more beneficial meditation is. <laughs> you know, um, like everybody says that when they come, every single person. And when I started, my mind was, was pathological. And that's why I needed the meditation. And uh, Tanya often says, you know, when, when people say, oh, I can't meditate because my mind's too busy, you know, that's that's like saying I can't take a bath because I'm too dirty. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's uh, you know, it's exactly what we need in our world. Um, it's it is it is the um, the cure for for what is going on in our in our world. So, um, you know, it's it's the human condition. We have these pathological minds and and because of you know social media and cell phones all this stuff you know the mind is just feeding on one thing after another after another and if we if we want to um, realize what is beyond this conditioning um, you know we have to deal with it we have to um, you know start to explore and ask the question who, who am I really you know beyond my conditioning beyond what I've inherited from society and my parents and my, you know, my, my friends, like what am I beyond all of this? Yes. One nice thing about meditation and why I think it's the one thing that we come back to again and again in conversation for people that want to have a more conscious life is plant medicine, you know, you have the plant medicine, then you go back to daily life, or whatever the practice is, then you go back to daily life or whatever. Meditation's always there. And you can literally do it anywhere. And that I think makes it so powerful. It's free and it's anywhere you need it. And and it's learning how to get to that state, especially when we're in a place where we probably need it most of all, but you know, we're feeling stressed out or whatever, and, and it's busy all around us, how to drop into that state in such a condition. Yes, and I think it's really important for people who haven't really explored a lot of meditation. There's a there's a point where, um, you know, at at the beginning, you, you might carve out some time to do a little bit of meditation in life, and you know, connect to your your stillness every day. But um, there's a point where there's sort of a flip where um, I, I realized. You know, life becomes meditation, literally. Like there's there's a a point where you start to operate um, through your inner world more. So you're you're operating. Um, you know, your consciousness is is operating through the inner energy, through the the higher mind, and uh, through this sort of emptiness, through this perception of emptiness, and. Um, and it literally is your life. It isn't something separate where you, you know, it's not like going to the gym and and doing a workout. Like it literally changes your life. It's a different way of of being in the world. And the more of it we do, the more um, we change our inner wiring so that that we can support this this new state of consciousness, and that it it will stop coming and going as much. Um, for me, you know, for the first many, many years I struggled. It was like a battle. I would do, um, you know, a long retreat and I'd be good for a while. Then I'd fall off the wagon again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and, um, you know, it was, it was an incredible battle. And, uh, there is a point where like, it does get easier, you know, at the beginning, it's definitely the hardest, 
um, but it, it gets easier as your wiring changes. And there is a point where it's like your your default becomes to meditate rather than to not meditate. So um, so for people who are are starting out in meditation. Um, you know, I, I can remember my, my first retreats were arduous, you know, it's a real struggle and, um, you know, and that's, that's just normal. That's part of the process and it is a practice. It really does have to evolve over many years. And, um, you know, the earlier you start, uh, the better because it is a, a, a complete rewiring process. Um, but I should say at the same time, you know, there's this aspect that unfolds through time you know there's this rewiring um so there there are these developmental stages that unfold but at the same time there's this this recognition of the imminent i which is beyond name and form which is is per it's perfect it's eternal it doesn't need anything other than what it is um, and that is available at any point in the journey so so we're simultaneously exploring these these different parts of ourselves um, you know going into these aspects that are unconscious and making them conscious but at the same time we're, we're realizing the the emptiness of all these different levels of self and when we realize that emptiness that is the presence of the I that is beyond name and form it's such an interesting paradox, isn't it? That the, the emptier we become and the, the less full of ego in, in the sense of our self-importance, our place in the world, our, our mission, our, all of that, the less of that there is, the more powerful we are and the more we can almost realize how amazing we are. And it, it really is interesting when the ego moves aside to see the truth of what's really there. It is a paradox, and you know it's it's incredible when we when we cultivate that that consciousness, or I don't even like to say cultivate because it, consciousness just is. But um, yeah, it's like we can we can encompass more of ourselves in the sense of our our layers of being. We can encompass more of life. And I think these two, you know, in, in terms of plant medicine, like the plant medicine shows us all these different aspects of ourselves. But but then, you know, we, you know, in, in the ancient traditions, they talk about Shiva and Shakti. They're the two polarities. There, there's transcendent consciousness, which is Shiva, and Shakti is, you know, it's the spiral. It's the, you know, if you're talking plant medicine, you know, it's the, the serpent mother, it's, it's all that is, it's the, the, you know, from our DNA to the, the spiral of the galaxies, it's everything. And the two have to go together. And, and when we, when we open up one, we open up the energy, then we have to have the consciousness to encompass it. And, um, and that, that consciousness will, will guide that energy. So, um, so we always have to be working in these two directions and these two realms. So going into life, opening up life and exploring life, but at the same time, transcending and, and letting go of attachment to life, realizing what is beyond life. Absolutely. So when you have clients that reach out to you from your films or come to your center and they have these hopefully experiences that begin to show them the truth of who we are, how do you 
advise them to bring this into their daily life? How do you, what is your best recommendations as far as we've talked before we started the show today? It's about daily habits. It's about how to bring this into our daily life. What do you, what is your coaching around that? Sure. Um, there's a number of different facets to that. Um, so I, I would say, um, speaking from my own experience, um, you know, the med- having a, a meditation practice, which lets us directly connect to um, to our source is is huge, you know, and and uh, that that you know every day I I do a meditation practice, and it's like I clear out the uh, you know the attachments to what is happening in my life. So um, I would say you know it's in in the ancient traditions it's just about you know long periods of single pointed meditation um help to establish that that wiring and um and and creating creating the structures in your life to support that connection so so we may have to change some things in our outer world um my teacher nico you know when when he we, when somebody comes and says um you know i want to experience my true self i want to experience the source you know or god um you know the first thing he says is what are you willing to pay you know <laughs> what are you willing what are you willing to give up what are you willing to give of yourself you know what how much of your your pattern of who you are are you willing to let go of to to realize that um so the the first thing i would stress with people is you know, you have to pay. You have to. You have to obey, um, learn to obey that higher part of yourself, and, and um, you know, and really, truly make an effort to shift out of the conditioned patterns. And uh, you know, where that impetus comes from is very mysterious. You know, because if you think about it, you know, the the ego structure, you know, which is what we usually think of uh, as me you know, it doesn't want it, right? Like it, it is the obstacle. So, so where does it come from? Where does that, you know, wanting or that, that desire for awakening come from, if, if not from the self-structure? It's like something to be roused from its slumber. And we can't, we can't do that. We can't make that happen with the mind. We can only start to observe how the mind is the obstacle to that. So there's a sense in which we we can, you know, we can have this intention, but at the same time we have to recognize right from the beginning what it is inside of us that is is alive that's that's wanting to be um birthed into this reality. And um for me, you know, having somebody in my life who who can reflect back the truth to me, I think is invaluable. Um, having having a friend or you know a teacher or somebody on the path who is um, kind of ruthless, who will tell you the truth, um, <laughs> yes. I think is is the most incredible thing. You know, for me, Tanya uh, and and Nico are are that for me. Um, they they both are are fairly ruthless with me. So when when the Dan you know, is, is, um, operating and, uh, and I'm not seeing 
those aspects of uh, of myself that are that are in play um you know it's so powerful to have someone that you you truly trust to reflect that back to you so i think there's you know there's many there's many different levels to to address this on you know having people in your life having a, a strong practice um there's also um you know just just practical things like like having a good diet exercise like keeping the body healthy is a huge part of it as well and um you know and and also you know now that now that i am um exploring the the ancient teachings and you know these these different um models of awakening i think it is really important to have the mind on your side like really having a, a structure a language structure where the mind really understands what's happening in the unfolding of this process so that it's not fighting against you so um so i think just just learning you know in, intellectual learning is important um as long as it's making a bridge for you to what on the language um so so i think all of those things you know it's like having a little bit of of your your consciousness in, in all of these different facets of your being and uh and together they they all sort of uh influence your your path and um you know but it's a uh, you know there, there's a lot there you're you're simultaneously uncovering these aspects of yourself and um you know and it's it's you know the whole thing it's not separate from your life it's you know it's connected to those things that that create aliveness in you so you know for it's different for everybody so and for somebody it may part of their path may be exploring playing piano or you know somebody else that may be skydiving you know and or whatever it's it's literally connected to whatever is is firing you up inside and um and feeling that that aliveness because that aliveness is what we're we're opening up and and harnessing in this in this process I like your comprehensive approach. And it's so true. You know, there's a part of us that kind of wants to go into the cave and just stay in there and meditate and be in ceremony and be in privacy and have these profound ahas and visions. But it really is when when we bring the whole body, mind, spirit together in this path into our daily life, that's where it gets really amazing. Because then we see the miracles in the things that we used to think were unpleasant or or have bad judgments about and we can see that all of it is really working perfectly for our evolution. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And and um, you know, I think there is a time to go into the cave as well, you know. Yes. I think sometimes we're drawn to um, you know, going into ceremony and these these deep experiences and um you know, one informs the other. I think. Yes. You know, we what we what we bring back from those experiences. Um, you know, the whole point is to become free to to live a life that is more free, more enjoyable, more expansive. And um, you know, it's not about sitting on a cushion. You know, if if it were just that, what would be the point? You know, exactly. if if there isn't some tangible benefit in life then then what is the point of it because it's it's really hard work actually so <laughs> um and uh, you know if i look back at my life 20 years ago when i started this i had incredible suffering incredible resistance to what was happening in my life and now when i look back at that you know the biggest thing i can say is is i have less suffering 
you know, less identification. And to me, that's the measure of the benefit of this path. I agree. And, you know, I used to think that less suffering meant less of everything else. Like you're either, you're either feeling everything or you're not feeling everything. And so if I'm going to give up the suffering, I'm going to give up the joy. Like I really didn't understand that whole paradox, but it is a paradox. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I started out with a very kind of Buddhist terminology and they they always talk about freedom from suffering you know so you're you're becoming free from su- from these you know conditioned patterns free from yourself essentially and um but there's also freedom to which is like freedom to do the things that you want to do so you freedom to incorporate more into your life and and to explore different facets of your being. So I think it's important to to understand there there's freedom from and freedom to and um and together that to me is is you know the whole kind of yin yang structure to experience life fully but yet not suffer because of your attachment to what is unfolding and what's you know inevitably changing because all of these things we explore you know they they bring us joy but they also bring us suffering at times as well if we're if we're attached to them absolutely well thank you so much for all that you're creating to help us begin to tap into our potential and our truth through your amazing films. I just can't say enough. I hope everybody who listens to this show will check out those films and your meditations. If they can't get to your center, there's so much that you've made available online through your website, samadhi.ca, right? That's right. And um, we will have uh, a new website coming out uh, within a few months. We've been working on it. Um, it's uh, it's called awakentheworld.com as well. And, um, and that one will be part of a new initiative with this this next film where um you know the the first samadhi film was kind of about um you know why we need samadhi the second one was what samadhi is this next one will be uh how to realize samadhi so it'll be part of a more comprehensive uh i I guess you could call it a program of of um you know for people to on, on a practical level realize samadhi within their own lives Excellent. Wow. I love it. (laughs) I just love it. I love what you're up to. And I'm so delighted that you took time to connect with us. I like to wrap up my interviews by asking guests, do you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave with this? I think for me, um, the one thing I'd like to convey about about meditation and the path is that um, there's a way of being in the world without thinking. So, you know, my parting thought is is no thought. <laughs> That's the best answer yet. <laughs> thank you so much, Dan, for taking the time to be with us and for all that you're doing. And thank your partner for her part in it. You guys are amazing. And Mario and I really hope we can get up there and meet you in person and, and share that experience with you as well. Thanks. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so much. And thank you, listener, for joining us today. What did you think of the show? Let us know. Drop us a note and uh, stop by the website, journeyofpossibilities.com, with your input. And we'll see you next week on Exploring Possibilities.